Hey, this is AP and Spence. We're two lawyers talking college sports and sports law. Uh, we're both out of the office today, but for this week's episode, we thought it'd be kind of fun to play an interview that we did with two individuals who started a blog talking about name, image, and likeness rules. Uh, Max and JR, they're both former college athletes. We'll let them introduce themselves, but uh, we thought that the interview was really interesting and we thought it'd be a perfect interview to play right now uh, with college football starting up again and fall sports starting up again, hopefully. Uh, assuming that we can uh, figure out some way to uh, continue to have college sports during this uh, incredible time in our history. Uh, but but specifically, these two guys talking about college sports and uh, name, image, and likeness rules, uh, we thought it was a really interesting interview. We hope you enjoy it. We hope everyone's staying healthy and safe out there. And uh, enjoy the interview. All right, here we are, Spence and AP, two lawyers talking uh, sports law, college sports law. Today, uh, we have a couple of people on the podcast. We've got a, a two bloggers here, Max and JR. Uh, Max, JR, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Living the dream. Doing really yeah, good, good. Living the dream. I like it. So Max and JR have started a, a, a blog, AP, where they specifically, uh, they're kind of a one-stop shop educational forum for everything around the new uh, name, image, and likeness rules that are kind of coming out today, you know, on a daily basis, it seems like there, there's new information coming out. So we thought it'd be ha- interesting to have these two guys on the podcast and just kind of chat with them, get their thoughts. Uh, so, um, so Max and JR, why don't you guys start real quickly kind of introducing yourselves to the audience and uh, what, what, you know, where you guys are, what, what do you guys do for work, uh, you know, what do you guys... And what, what made you guys want to start this pod, this blog? Yeah, so I, I guess I can start. This is Max. Um, uh, so I guess uh, the reason to start the blog was uh, I was an ex-NCAA athlete. Um, so obviously being in that boat at one point uh, kind of inspired um, me, and I think JR would say the same as well, to, to start this and, and get others educated where we didn't have this opportunity. Um, and uh, for work, I'm a consultant, so kind of natural in me to, to educate others and, and just kind of help the general environment and ecosystem to learn more about name, image, and likeness. Yeah. No, and I, I'm from JR. Uh, you know, I was also an NCAA athlete for baseball in the Big Ten, and so when we, we kind of both went into the same consulting firm, and obviously that life kind of takes over, so we kind of both realized we're both double NCAA NCAA athletes and you know keeping the dream alive and this is something that's been in the sports arena and sports space for a while it's a big topic so we kept talking about it and one thing led to the next we we think that there's a big opportunity just like uh you know with any other business or you know consulting opportunities we're trying to look for various opportunities within this space so that's kind of how we got into it Max, I was, this is Aaron, by the way. I was curious if uh, you could let me know what sport you played at the NCAA level. I'm sorry, one more time. Oh, the sport you played, because I think Jr. said uh, he played baseball. What sport did you play in the in college? Yeah, uh, I played I played soccer um, uh, in in the M A A C conference division three. Oh, that's cool. Okay, okay. So soccer and and baseball and um, so name, image, and likeness. I mean, you know, my background going with from a couple of years in compliance at Oregon State and then uh, six years at USC, 
working primarily with football and men's basketball and compliance. And uh, name, image, and likeness was an area where a lot of athletes would get themselves in trouble. You know, they would promote some product or some business on social media, or they would use their name or their image or their likeness in some manner to, to make money. Um, and it was a problem. It caused problems over and over and over. And it was strange, right? Because it was, you got these, these athletes that are using their own body, their own image, their own name to try to make money in America and, and having trouble doing it, you know, and then finding themselves ineligible or, or having violations. Um, you know, did you guys ever try that when you were athletes, uh, you know, try to use your name, image and likeness or wanted to do something and, and had issues or were told no, or did you have any friends on the teams that tried that? Yeah, no, I think I can kind of kick that off. Um, I think JR probably would have been more impacted as a division one athlete, but even at division three, um, we were told something as, as small as going to a carnival and winning a game that's like a soccer game. And you know, you have that goalie that kind of kicks out to the left and right and you got to get the ball past him. If you want a, a prize from that, you, you couldn't do that essentially. Um, so, so that's how strict some of these regulations can be. Um, that's, a, that's obviously an extreme example, but you can imagine just from that, what athletes are being restricted from being able to do that other co college students have the right to do. Um, JR, I'm sure you've seen more extreme examples in your case. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it goes all across the board, depends on complete experiences. I think there's also pros and cons to it. You know, there's there's some situations, you know, it tends to kind of where with the school, but our, our football team actually tried to try to look into, the, you know, getting paid at And, um, you know, my only experience in terms of any personal encounter with where it kind of hindered me in doing anything was I had a startup that I wanted to pursue in college. And so my junior and senior year, when we would pitch, do pitch competitions or when we would actually, um, you know, have a website, we weren't allowed to use our names or pictures of ourselves as co-founders on our website because we were athletes at the university, which I think is, is, is an interesting um, ordeal. You know, we had conversations with the compliance department and that's just the way the law was written. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, you think you could be in your right to be able to do that and you weren't. So that was my only personal experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it comes up quite a bit and it's interesting where there's been this movement, right. Of like, you know, maybe athletes do need to be able to use their name, image and likeness to, to make money or to promote things and um, you know, that sort of thing. So Spence, it sounds like there's been now some new stuff on the horizon, new rules changing, Congress doing things. It's a move. Yeah. Every day. And, and you guys, I know you, I've been following you guys on Twitter. Um, uh, you guys have been po posting kind of some of the quotes from the uh, congressional hearings that are going on right now in the NIL. Um, do you think it's, I mean, do you guys think that it's a good idea that Congress is stepping in here? I know we have a lot of different states who are trying to push forth different rules and laws. Do you think that it's important for Congress to kind of step in and, and kind of provide some, some direction for the NCA? Do you think that that's an important step? Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I know you, you have a question to touch on this later, but to touch on it, oh, it's on a high level now, I think Congress has to step in at this point. Um, an interesting quote from uh, Chairman Graham was that if you have 50 states doing this, with a, and when I say doing this, I mean creating their own NIL legislation, it can kind of turn to the wild, wild west, um, where there's no one way to control it. And there's so many different players that um, it becomes hard to control it at any level. Yeah, Congress is needed. 
Yeah, Congress is definitely going to have to step in in some sense because that's what's going to be the overarching connect the dots across all the states, right? Because we see all the different states submitting different rules, but there needs to be some standard um, if this is going to actually work successfully. You know, we see the Commerce Committee led by Chairman Roger Wicker, um, you know, met a couple weeks ago to discuss it, and so did the Judiciary Committee met this week. So they're all doing their own due diligence on hearing all sides of the issue. Um, where they're inviting a lot of the athletic directors, the lawyers, the ex-NCAA athletes um, to get their opinions from every perspective. But, uh, you know, they're going to need to look at state and figure out a common standard or a commonality to follow because, uh, you know, most of the needs to be spearheaded by the Congress. It's going to work out well because um, we need to get some federal legislation passed uh, to see this through. Yeah, it's interesting, right, Aaron? And, and AP, and AP, we've talked about this a lot, right? The NCAA is is its own governing body, right? They they're a, they're an administrative agency essentially that then they distribute their rules and regulations throughout all these different schools that they all have to comply with with these rules. So it's it's interesting, right? That that now the states are kind of stepping in, saying we need to do this, and and I think Congress, right? Just like you guys are pointing out, Congress is saying. We've got to establish some type of federal rule, some type of federal direction that the NCAA can follow. I mean, what do you? Yeah, I mean, because it's like, you know, when marijuana was legalized um, in some states and not others, uh, it still was against the rules to, to use marijuana as an NCAA athlete. And so I remember there were some, some students that said, hey, when we travel to Colorado, uh, we can use marijuana. It's legal there. And I'm over 18. And so I'm going to do it. And, and it was like, well, no, I mean, the NCAA still says it's against the rules, even though a state. So, the, you know, the NCAA says, well, yeah, there's state rules, there's different rules, but we're still the governing body for our own private entity. And so the NCAA, I think, has kind of said, sure, California or Florida, you can do your own things if you want, but your member schools are still going to have to follow our rules if they want to be part of our, our entity. And, and so that's made it tricky because, yeah, California can do something, Florida can do something, but if it, if it really isn't the NCAA changing their, their rules across the board, it's going to be a problem. Um, and so, you know, how do you get them to, to get on board with that and do that? Um, you know, and, and then how do you actually monitor it? I mean, uh, you know, Max and JR, what would, in a perfect world for you guys, what would athletes be able to do with their name, image, or likeness? Uh, when you say, you mean what type of opportunities are out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if, if, you, if you could craft this legislation, however you guys see fit and say, this is what should happen for a, a baseball player or a football player that wants to use their name, image, and likeness to promote products or goods or services. What do you think would be fair and, and appropriate? Yeah. So I think that it's key when we go back to name, image, and likeness, what we're actually talking about. So um, I think a lot of people bring in the idea that Athletes should get paid by the colleges and revenue sharing. And I don't think that's what the conversation is at all. What is okay is everything related to the name, image, and likeness of the player. So that could be a social media account. That could be an endorsement deal. That could be an event like a summer camp. Um, any type of opportunity like that, that they directly benefit from themselves, they should be able to do. There shouldn't be a restriction on that. The revenue sharing models, that can be another conversation for another day, um, but definitely anything that involves the athlete individually, they should be able to have no restrictions on, just as any other student at a school or college university uh, doesn't have um, restrictions as well. 
I think I think just to, to piggyback off Max's great point there, you know, it, it's a lot of just being a normal student in person, right? You should be you should have access to be able to profit off the person that you are. And I, I do understand the speculation around whether or not you're using the university branding to really build yourself. A lot of these laws actually prohibit, you know, the direct use of their brand or their affiliates with your profitability methods, like posting with, you know, your logo on your jersey or whatever that might be. You know, it, it, it's more than that. I guess being able to start your own startup and being able to profit off that and being able to tell people that you are a student athlete. Like, you know, being being able to just identify as a student athlete, not necessarily as a school. Um, you know, I think that's anyone in their, in their own right. I mean, it's little things like being able to do a private lesson and get paid for that and having that be logistically compliant. And, I, it, you know, it's something that's that simple that I think should be allowed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, when I was at, uh, in compliance, oftentimes we had to ding student athletes for that sort of thing. I mean, just really just starting their own uh, YouTube channel and, or selling some products or, you know, they would retweet a shirt company and say, hey, I think everybody should go buy this shirt company. Uh, check it out. Uh, things like that that were just sort of innocuous. It wasn't really a, a, a big deal, you know, and, and we had to, it was ticky tack and it, the one thing I have, the skepticism I have a little bit is, is uh, somebody that monitored this at, um, at USC working with football um, was I'm, I'm nervous a little bit about the recruiting aspect of it, meaning like, okay, let's say you got the University of Oregon, right? And they're in Eugene, Oregon, and then you got the, uh, or I mean, the, the Nikes in Portland and you got the Ducks in Eugene, you know, they're an hour and a half apart or so in the state of Oregon. And Nike says, you know, I got a great idea. You know, we're going to have all of the football players get 50000 a year uh, when they come in. And they won't say they play for Oregon or anything. They'll just say, my name's Bill Smith, and I play football in the state of Oregon. And they're going to hawk, you know, some of our products. And they'll put on a few things. And well, that'll just be a nice $50,000 bonus for everyone that plays at the University of Oregon. And, and coaches tell, tell the kids they're going to get that when they come here. And that's why that's something USC or Stanford or somebody else can't offer. Um, do you do you see any concerns with that or any kind of slippery slope that could come from that aspect of it where they're not necessarily real endorsement deals, but they're sort of done for by boosters uh, and recruit for like recruiting purposes? Yeah, um, and that's a, that's a good point you brought up and a lot of people have the same concern as you to start. We can't speculate on something where there isn't even a rule in place. However, there will be federal laws most likely a year from now because of all these other state laws that are um, being put into legislation. So if there's a federal state law, there's going to be, you know, a federal punishment that goes along with that. Um, whatever that denotes at the time, uh, we would be able to speculate on then, but it's hard to say and project out how that exactly will be handled and what processes will be put in place to handle that? Yeah. I will say that, you know, it is interesting conversation from the perspective of when that federal law will come out, and not just when it'll be announced, but when it'll actually go live. In the same way that, you know, when, you know, Colorado or California are planning to kind of launch things off, um, you know, which isn't obviously until 2023, where we see Florida, you know, trying to try and go live here at, 2021 you know, that's that's going to be the differentiator right if we have a state that goes live 
um, before the federal law goes live. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out from a recruiting perspective. Do these schools start to tie that into their recruiting? Um, you know, not to mention with all the, you know, they got enough on their hands with trying to figure out recruiting and with this COVID situation and having to, you know, have everybody get another year of eligibility, let alone who they're giving uh, red shirts out to. So it's, it's a really going to be very dynamic problem. There's not, I think to Max's point, there's not going to be a, a one-size-fits-all method to this, um, but it'll be interesting. I think it's, like Max mentioned, largely dependent on federal law. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up recruiting, Jr. Because uh, that's one of my that's one of my you know coming from a, I, I, my undergrad was was BYU, you know, a, a, not a not a Power Five school, you know, one of the smaller schools, Greater Five type school. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about how the new NIL rules, assuming that they are in place and they do kind of allow kids to profit from their name, image, and likeness. How is that going to impact recruiting? You know, if, if a kid is choosing between a, a major school and a smaller school and the major school can offer or can let, let them get more opportunities to profit from their name, image, likeness, aren't the students, aren't more students going to be going to those bigger schools? What do you guys think? Do you think that that name, image, and likeness rules could change how recruiting is, is done? Yeah, absolutely. Um, recruiting will need to change in that there needs to be included talk about how a player's name, image, and likeness can be utilized, right? So the schools that jump on NIL early will get a big leg up. Some examples are Tulane. Uh, they started an entire program with one of their on-campus educational programs to help athletes build their brand. Nebraska, Troy, Toledo have all taken steps as well to announce um, some level of partnership. And uh, I guess one of your alma monitors you, you mentioned, Oregon State, um, has also taken steps to announce a partnership with Jeremy Darlow uh, for their uh, women's basketball team. So you need to start showing athletes you care about how their brand will look at your school, uh, how you directly compliment them, and what you're going to do to help them. And I think that there can be something gained for every school. Each college, town, city, state, um, no matter what, will have their own individual benefits. For example, a smaller school in city settings will be able to benefit greatly due to the amount of NIL opportunities um, in, in cities, right? Where maybe a school like NYU wouldn't have been able to benefit from recruiting for being in New York City. Now they're in a position to do that. Another example is instead of being the second string player at a perennial school, uh, an athlete can now be the guy in a college town or in a more rural setting. So those now rural schools can balance out um, the city schools by having more talent come to their schools to, to be the guy or, or the girl on campus to be that star. And of course, your top tier schools will continue to find ways to land top recruits. Um, and you could potentially see a balancing of college athletics. So I think they will change, but for the better. What do you think that? Yeah, those are, those are I'll just take it back off. It'll be really interesting to look at how other schools respond. You know, to the looking at, you know, if, if one school goes a lot and it's not a federal law yet, are other schools going to try and screw the face and try and throw them under the bus to prove that they're doing wrong in order to get some repercussions of better things from our recruiting aspect? For example, we take Florida Florida State, for example, recruiting players and using that as a part of their recruitment stick. And let's the University of Miami or Jordan Theater. They, why do they become 
they gonna try and get them in a not hurt them in a work yeah it's uh that's interesting um i uh yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see i mean i i agree i think i hope that i hope that the um uh, that the nil rules kind of help help everybody right see i mean i you know it's interesting that that yeah someone who could would maybe be a second stringer at a bigger school maybe could be the guy or the girl on a on a on a, at a smaller school and maybe could profit from their name, image, and likeness a little bit more. So so that's a, that's kind of an interesting perspective. I appreciate that perspective coming from two former college athletes. Um, so yeah, that's 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 good. Good way to think about it. Yeah, and I think I think it goes beyond just the athletes too. I mean, not just across the quarter schools, but the communities. Like I think it'll be actually advantageous for. I think a small mom and pop shop, or a small, you know, local sporting store at a small college town. You know, unless it doesn't, as long as it doesn't have a direct affiliation with the school, they can help market them. Well, they can like a sandwich shop. They come in, you know, take pictures of like eating our sandwich, and that'll get more views. But something as simple as that, I think it will actually improve the, you know, the free capital market in the sense of just these small town communities. It's just, Open the door to a lot of people marketing opportunities for those small. Yeah, and I guess I guess the one what, another concern that Aaron and I have had that uh, about this, if is if is if those student athletes are going to be able to you know go out and do those types of appearances, go out and make those you know make commercials or or do something like that. Uh, do you think that it would be wise for uh, schools or for these athletes to be able to sign up with? With agents that help them negotiate, and it, and if so, are you are you going to have to put some type of bracket on what those agents can actually do for the student athletes? What do you guys think about that? So that's been talked at a high level um, in relation to when the laws come, when the rules come. Um, that's kind of that next step. So again, it's hard to predict out um, how agents uh, will have to prepare. Uh, however. They, in several um, ESPN pieces, Sports Illustrated pieces, uh, there's been mentioned that they will be allowed to um, interact with student athletes. Just the way they're, they're guardrailed and the way that that system's set up, uh, we won't know those details until closer to end of October. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. All right. Well, um, well, we really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate your insights. Uh, is there any? Is there anything as as in closing that you guys would want to kind of um, state as as the NIL rules are being discussed right now? Is there anything else that you guys would want to cover? I think we've got a we've got a hot take for the Vegas bookies out there. Max, why don't you tell them uh, when you think the federal law is going to pass? Yeah, April 15th, 2020. I believe that's tax day. Oh, 2021. April 15th, 2021. You heard it here first, tax day. Um, that's when we're going to hear uh, the legislation be announced in a coordinated PR stunt with the uh, NCAA. Oh, oh, oh. I heard it here first. Mark the calendar. Want to leave off the back. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate you guys being on the podcast today and, and giving us your insights. Uh, you know, if you guys, if, if someone wants to follow you guys, where can we, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us at, uh, at N 
IL101blog on Twitter. And then you can also give us uh, a read at nil101blog.blogspot.com if you want to read any of our educational content on name, image, and likeness. And whether you're a athletic director in a compliance office, uh, a parent of a high school that's going to be a prospective college athlete, our goal is to educate you uh, no matter what part of the process you're in. So uh, purely educational and uh, continue to provide a one-stop shop for everything NIL. All right. Yeah, ben, thanks for that. We appreciate it. It was uh, we had a good time, and let's definitely stay in touch too. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll give we'll, we'll give it a read and check it out. We encourage our listeners to do the same. I know we have uh, athletic directors, administrators, that sort of thing that listen to uh, our podcast. So check them out. Uh, these guys know what they're talking about, and this is this is the future of college athletics. So you better you better get ready for it. That's right. That's right. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have a good one. All right. It's AP and Spence, and we're two lawyers talking sports law, Spence. And see, normally you do this part. That's right, Spence. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. We're, we're changing it up a little bit today, and yeah. and uh, we just talked to Max and Jr. And they have NIL 101 blog. I think is where you can find them on Twitter. And these are these are perspectives from a couple of student athletes, former student athletes, right. on the name, image, and likeness rules coming down. Um, you know, I, I have a funny story I can share when I was uh, at uh, Menlo College. So, so I went to USC. That's where my alma mater. But I spent one year at Menlo College, which is in Atherton, California, kind of in the Bay Area, not too far from Stanford. Right. And it's the Menlo College Oaks. Yeah, Oaks. And it's a D3 school. And they didn't really give scholarships, but they gave talent grants. I got a talent grant and some athlete, uh, academic scholarship to <laughs> basically go for free to the school and play basketball. It's like a backup point guard. Right. And I thought that was kind of cool. And you were a freshman, right? This is your first year. Yeah, first year. I'm a freshman on the team. You would have been starting your sophomore year. Yeah, yeah I think. And I've been a legend by a junior year. But, but, you know, they have like a senior that's starting point guard, you know. But I, but I, but I was following like the idea of like I love basketball. I have a chance to play basketball at the college level, travel around a little bit in the Bay Area in California, and leaving out of California a little bit. And I go to school for free. This is cool. But then after about a year, I thought I'm not going to go pro, you know. And 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 I don't have a future in basketball. My future is going to be playing at the church league with guys that are 52 and have knee pads on, right? And so and I was okay with that. And dominating. And dominating big time hook shots, the whole thing. Uh, Lou Alcindor stuff. Or or cream algebra, but you know, and so I thought, yeah, you know, I want to go to where I want to go to school. I want to go to the best school I can. I want to go to a big market, and I, I transitioned to USC, and I ended up there. And the rest was history. Didn't play basketball or any sports there, but I was involved. But while I was at, I tell that long story because when I played Division three basketball, we were offered an opportunity. And you got to remember that there wasn't really a compliance office at Menlo. I mean, there was the athletic director, was also the basketball coach, that was also the mailroom assistant that was also the cleaner. I mean, I like two people in athletics, right? And so, but they said, the athletic director said, hey, I got a job for you guys at the San Mateo horse racing track. And all you basketball players, we're going to take you down there, pay you 25 bucks an hour. You're going to work the tracks. You're going to make for, you know, uh, maybe work for five or six hours, make 150 bucks. Well, at the time, I think I had $5 in the bank. You know, I'm, I'm 19 years old or whatever I was. And, and to me, 150 bucks cash sounded great for one day. But I'm in, you know, so the whole team went and we really didn't do a whole lot, 
But we worked a little bit. I mean, I, I, we were asked to do a little bit here and a little bit there. But looking back on it, not to get Menlo College in trouble, they didn't do anything wrong, and, and our San Mateo uh, racetrack. But thinking back, uh, I don't know that I really worked that much. I don't know if any of us really did. I think we were kind of walking around getting a tour of the racetrack mostly, carrying a few trays, doing a couple things, and we got 150 bucks. And I think it was just a way for San Mateo to put some cash in our pockets. Right. We had a, a booster that wanted us to help him move. There was a handful of us that got a few hundred bucks to help move a fridge and a couple things. That happened, and it, put, it laced our pockets with money, but I don't think we were paying the going rate. Our jobs weren't advertised anywhere. So looking back on it, it probably wasn't. It was probably a violation. Well, but that's a problem, right? And I, and I hear that from student-athletes a lot where they say, I want to be treated like every student. I totally get right. that perspective. But again, I always go back to um, you know, lots of professions or, or jerseys that we wear have different rules at different times. You know, like a lawyer, a lawyer, the way we advertise is regulated. A way a plumber advertises, maybe he's not regulated, you know, and, and that's just, the, that's different professions. And we could say as lawyers, well, I want to advertise however the heck I want. You don't have a right to tell me. And if I want to say I win 100% of my cases, I'm putting that on there. And, and, but the bar says, no, you can't do that. You know, you, this is what you can do. And so I think it goes the same with student athletes. You are amateur athletes, you know, so you're not going to be treated the same as, as every other student, right? And that's oftentimes, and I totally understand that perspective. I do. I mean, I get it. And I felt that when I was a college student athlete for a little bit. Um, but I think that the NCAA doesn't have a lot of sympathy for that. They say, well, you know, you are different. You don't have to play. Nobody's forcing you to be a college athlete. You can say, I take off the jersey, I'm going to be a regular student, and I'm going to start my YouTube channel. And people say, great, no problem. Go, you know, head out to it. And I think we had a few athletes that did that where – they were the third strings women's soccer player. And they thought, you know, I'm going to do Instagram modeling. I'm barely playing. I'm riding the bench. I get no scholarship. I'm a walk-on. What am I actually doing here? I'm going to quit, not play anymore. I like playing high school. I don't like it at this level. And I'm going to do my Instagram modeling. And they would go and do that, you know. And, and so you can make that choice. Um, but, you know, so I think that's one perspective that's touchy um, between athletes and then the higher-ups. Yeah, sure. But, you know, I guess I guess I I, I kind of hear what, what Max and JR were saying. And I, and I think, you know, I had a I had a brother who was a collegiate athlete, a swimmer at BYU. And, you know, I, he's, a, he's a very entrepreneurial guy. He was not on scholarship, but he was putting four to six hours, eight hours a day in, or a week in the, in the a day in the pool. You know, he, he did not have time to go work. He did not have but he could have started a YouTube channel to help coach swimming or, or done some coaching on the side and made a couple of bucks that way. But he wasn't allowed to do that because the NCA rules, even though he was a non-scholarship player. Right. So like, I, I guess in, from my perspective, if, if you could somehow fashion the NIL rules to allow those types of actions, that seems like that would be okay. The one the, where I have problems is when boosters get involved, like you, like you asked, that's where I think the, 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 the problems are, will arise is when boosters start getting involved and start paying the kids $50,000 to not do anything or $50,000 to wear Nikes out one time or whatever it is, you know, not, not putting Nike, but just using Nike as an example. But that to me is the bigger issue. The smaller issues, those minor infractions that would be infractions today, those are the ones that I think need to go away personally. The bigger ones are the ones where you're going to have to set some pretty significant regulations and monitoring in order to make sure that that these kids and the schools and the and the athlete and the athletic departments don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it, you know, college athletics is so competitive; it's so tough to draw those lines because you're going to have those booster boosters that are going to say, "Oh, they can. 
I own a pizza shop right down the road from BYU. Um, and I would love to give all those basketball players uh, an ad here uh, and promote my pizza. I'm going to do that. Hey, coach, anytime you have basketball players, tell them I'm going to give them 25000 bucks. They're going to say, my name's Chuck. I play basketball in, in Provo, and I like pizza. You know, and, and, and let them know that. Let them know that, that that's a perk I'm going to offer. And it might become this sort of race. I, I, I'm just, I know I'm forecasting the worst. And I know Max and Jared kind of pointed out we're speculating and that sort of thing. But as a compliance officer, that's what we would do when we would look at new proposals. We would speculate, how will this be a problem? How will we monitor this? What could be the problems with this? And you have to forecast and predict. So that's like kind of looking at something as opposed to reactive but proactively and saying proactively, I anticipate problems one, two, three. So now let's carve out rules that can prevent that. Yeah, right. And, and, that's, and that's exactly what we hope the NCA and Congress are going to be able to yeah. figure out, right? But that to me, you know, they're going to have to draw some type of lines. They're, they're going to have to. because, And they're going to have to say when actions are allowed and when, when actions are not allowed. I mean, it's, they have those rules now, right? There, there are... There are rules about recruiting, when you can recruit, when you can't recruit. Essentially, the same type of rules are going to be in place with these NIL rules. You can have a YouTube channel. You can host a summer camp, but you have to do it under these guidelines, right? Yeah, yeah there has to be rules. The NBA has rules, right? I mean, there's max contracts, minimum contracts. There's times where you can talk to free agents and times when you cannot. Remember Magic Johnson famously got in trouble for tampering with with a, a basketball player i think it was ad actually yeah the year before right um and so you can't tamper you can't ask players to be intermediaries there's a lot of rules to that the same thing works at the collegiate level because you what you have are a finite uh uh area of recruits and you have all these schools everybody's looking for that talent i don't think the problem i don't think anybody in the nca or the governing body or anything thinks the problem is we don't want athletes to get money in their pocket Right. It's how can we do this without it becoming a Wild West and an agent booster problem? And then before you know it, we're just a junior pro league, which we were never really intended right. to be. Right. Right. And that's the problem. And so people that have me have to work behind that curtain to monitor it. it. It sounds tough when people say, let us make money, man. I mean, how are you holding us back from making money? We want you to make money, but we need to do it in a way where it doesn't become a huge, huge disaster. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Congress is, as we talked about, um, you know, Congress is working on this right now. The NCA we know is is working on this right now. Uh, schools are working on how to do this, and this is something that we'll be continuing monitoring. You know, it's interesting. This was one of our very first podcasts. In fact, I think it was our first podcast where we talked about the new Florida laws and California laws. I mean, Florida's law, Florida, Florida's law goes into effect in 2021. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, there's been a lot of worry about that. Uh, I, I caught that JR and Max were chatting a little bit about that too, of this rule and that state rule. And the, you know, and the NCAA gets around that. And I've heard them, right? They say, we don't care what the states do. Uh, we're our own entity. So you could have California say, athletes are able to use their name, image, like this starting tomorrow, right? And the NCAA is going to say, great. Yeah, USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford, uh, no problem. Your athletes can do it. But, but they're violations still, and all your players are ineligible. Right. And I think, but they're right. So it has to get to a federal level where it's uniform, Congress involved, the NCAA involved, and everybody comes to the same page uh, and says, this is what we're going to do. And so, yeah, sure, you can have a period of time where Florida's active and allowing this, but you're not going to see the big schools doing it. Right. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll continue to monitor as it changes. It's always changing. 
Um, but uh, we're AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports. We hope everybody has a, has a great day.